that no scientific studies have shown significant numbers of reinfections of patients previously infected or previously vaccinated, what specific studies do you cite to argue that the public should be wearing masks well into 2022? I'm not sure I understand the connection of what you're saying about masks and reinfection. We're talking about people who have never been infected before. You're and telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is they have immunity and everybody agrees they have immunity. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine yeah. or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let, let, let's get down to the facts. Okay, the studies that you quote from Crotty and Sete look at in vitro examination of memory immunity, which in their paper they specifically say this does not necessarily pertain to the actual protection. It's in vitro. And what study Very, can you point to that shows significant let, reinfection? There are no studies that show just significant let, let, me, let me finish the response to your question, if you please. The other thing is that when you talk about reinfection and you don't keep in the concept of variance, that's an entirely different ballgame. That's a good reason for a mask. In the South African study conducted by J&J, &J, they found that people who were infected with wild type and were exposed to the variant in South Africa, the 351, it was as if they had never been infected before. They had no protection. So when you talk about reinfection, you've got to make sure you're talking about wild type. I agree with you that you very likely would have protection from wild type for at least six months if point you're infected. The, but we in our country now have variants that are circulating. Significant reinfection. What study shows significant reinfection, hospitalization, and death after either natural infection or the vaccine. It doesn't exist. There is no evidence that there are significant reinfections after vaccine. In fact, I don't think we have a hospitalization in the United States after the two week period after the second vaccination. We yeah, you have a death in the United States. You're not hearing what I'm saying about variants. We're talking about wild type versus variants and now what proof, there, what proof is there that there are significant reinfections with hospitalizations and death from the variants none in our country zero well because we don't have a prevalent of a variant yet we're having one can i finish we're well, having one one seven that's becoming more dominant policy based on conjecture no you it, have the it isn't based on conjectures so you some you won't be able to wear a mask for another couple of years no you've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks for show. No, you can't get it again. There's almost there's virtually zero percent chance you're going to get it. And yet you're telling people with them that have had the vaccine who have immunity. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask to have been vaccinated. No. Instead, you should be saying there is no science to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people being vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Tell them they wear their mask after they get the vaccine. You want people to get the vaccine? Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pac-Man podcast. We started with uh, that conversation between Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, and Dr. Fauci. And that's how it went for about eight, nine minutes. 
And uh, it was a back and forth. And, you know, at one point, I mean, Paul made some good points. Fauci uh, responded to them, but they weren't really talking to each other, but kind of at each other. And But Paul's main point was, and I think it was a good one, we're wearing masks, especially those of us who've been vaccinated and or possibly have been infected. We're wearing a mask because, not because it keeps us safer, but because it gives comfort to others. That's the wrong reason. This psychological benefit, you know, you wear a mask, people see you with a mask on, somehow they feel safer. They're not safer, but they feel safer. That's the issue. There's so much of the story that I wanted to hit, and, and we'll focus on that for a minute. I, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know about the efficacy of masks. I, like maybe many of you, have read uh, a lot of evidence to the contrary that they really don't protect you, whether you double or triple mask. And now that I guess the new thing is to double mask. And I've been wearing two masks myself because I'm diabetic, and you know, I, I don't know. I trust people such as Dr. Fauci, maybe I, I shouldn't. Somebody called him on Facebook, one of my Facebook friends, Dr. Falsey. And he's been all over the place on this. And then this morning, I, I didn't see the CBS Morning News because I refused to watch it. And this is, this is the reason I gave up watching CBS News, because of people like Gail King, who is an anchor on a major news network. Gail King has no talent. She's unprofessional. And she wouldn't be there if not for Oprah. Oprah is a CBS contributor. That's the only reason that Gail King is on there. And the way she and Nora O'Donnell shoved out uh, Charlie Rose a couple of years back when uh, over uh, allegations of uh, sexual impropriety, or I guess he was uh, improper with a couple of his female staffers, Rose. So they kind of circled the wagons and they got old Charlie out of there. And Gail King is now the lead anchor. It's, it's, she's pathetic. She is absolutely pathetic. She said this morning or yesterday morning, I think it was this morning, she called... Uh, Rand Paul an ass for asking the kinds of questions that she should be asking. She and the other media nitwits, the useful idiots doing Fauci's bidding. She's the ass for being uh, an unprofessional hack. I, I just, you know, I, I could do 20 minutes on Gail King. She's ridiculous. I mean, we know, look, those of us of a certain age remember Walter Cronkite. We remember Roger Mudd and even Dan Rather in the 70s and 80s. We, know that we knew they were liberal. Cronkite was a Democrat. We knew it, but they, they hit it better. These people today, these anchors on some of these supposedly uh, mainstream news outlets, ABC, CBS, NBC, they, they don't make any bones about where they stand politically. They're not objective. They don't even try to hide the fact. Objectivity is a thing of the past when it comes to network news. All right. I don't want to spend more time than I should on, on Gail King and CBS and the media. We all know where the media is on this. Earlier this week, I had a chance to listen to Kristen Coons and her fine program, Set Apart, on the BMGnetwork.com, and she talks about this. The lockdowns and the uh, really, the, they've had no discernible effect on the spread of COVID-19. There's been no science to prove that the lockdowns flatten the curve. And as Paul mentioned, and I don't think we had it in his uh, debate there with Fauci, but it was supposed to be 15 days to, f to flatten the curve. But here we are, 368 days later, over a year later, and we're still in lockdown mode in many blue states. Why? Still wearing masks. Okay. Those of us have, who have not been vaccinated may be a threat to other people. I still wear masks, sometimes two masks, if I'm in a certain area that I feel unsafe. 
But really, it, it just that's the reason we wear masks, to make others feel safer. They're not really safer, as I mentioned earlier. But Kristen Kuhns talks about it, and uh, she really had a, a fine program. All they've done, these lockdowns, have they've destroyed businesses. They've led to a lot of people being lonely, uh, a lot of people suffering from depression because of it, children separated from their peers, all of it. And it's not neat. It hasn't been needed. And she mentions that she has been going to church throughout this whole pandemic. We have been too. I think we took a break last March for about a month, and then we resumed going to church. We're not going to be told we can't attend worship. We're going to go to church. And if they shut down the churches, well, we'll hold services in each other's homes. But the state is not going to step in and tell us we cannot meet to worship God. That would be elevating the state or government ahead of God, and nothing and no one is above God. We are to worship God always, every day, but especially on Sunday. Here the state has closed down churches. Still, many churches are, are still closed. Gambling parlors are open. Uh, strip joints are open. All these other stores are open, but churches are closed. What does that say to you? So listen to Kristen Kuhns, her program again, Set Apart on the BMG Network, one of the many fine shows, Ken and Mike, the Ken and Mike show. Ken Burns has his own program. Mike Hansen has his, his own show called Mike'd Up, and they're all available to you on the bmgnetwork.com. Speaking of lockdowns and speaking of uh, being in a blue state, we are certainly in one here in New York. We're so blue, we're almost red, if you get my drift. So Republicans this week introduced a joint resolution to overturn the governor's arbitrary mandates that have hurt restaurants and bars throughout the state for the past 12 months. And Republicans in both the Assembly and Senate, again, we're in the minority in both houses, are calling for a repeal of the governor's two executive orders, one of which forces restaurants to close early, currently at 11 p.m. Other, another one requires customers to purchase food with any order of an alcoholic beverage. So what does that got to do with COVID? Forcing people to buy you know, whether it's onion rings or a ham sandwich, whatever it is. If you want to have a drink, you shouldn't have to be forced to buy food. That's not the state's role. Now, the resolutions were introduced this week. I'm sure they didn't go anywhere because we have, you know, 43 members uh, of the Republican Party in the Assembly and about, uh, I forget how many in the, in the Senate. It doesn't matter. But, I mean, the governor's requirement that people who go to bars order food with their, you know, their drink of choice is arbitrary to me. It's ridiculous. I mean, the COVID infection rate continues to decline here in New York, and more and more New Yorkers are being vaccinated. I mean, why not lift the curfew restrictions? Now, the governor, I think, has moved the restriction or removed it on the uh, restaurants having to close by 11. I think that's, I think that's done. But I mean, the whole thing has been crazy. What happens, you know, after 11 that doesn't happen before 11? At 10 minutes of 11, all of a sudden, the COVID virus, the uh, the droplets are out there, and at 10 minutes after 11, they're gone. I mean, it's it's stupid. It's arbitrary. It's ridiculous. All right, but that's uh, what's happening at the state. You know, the, uh, as long as I'm talking about state government, because I work for the government, work for the state, <laughs> we all do in some way, shape, or form, there was a budget introduced this week, and I, you know, it shocked even me. I've been down there 17, almost 18 years. The uh, spending plan proposed, the Assembly's spending plan, is unbelievable. I think the current plan was like $178 billion, the current year's budget, which expires March 31st. The Assembly Democrats introduced a budget this week, $208 billion. And they call for raising taxes $6.8 billion. 
nearly $7 billion in new taxes. And, and they want people to stay in New York. This is going to drive more people out of New York. It puts businesses at a competitive disadvantage. It's just runaway spending. Here we are in a, in a planned, uh, pandemic, <laughs> and we're like $15 billion in the hole, or we were before we got that uh, $50 billion in revenue from the feds. But, I mean, we're still we, we're in a budget hole. But $208 billion taxpayer-funded wish list is all it is. For some context, I don't, wanna, I don't want your eyes or ears, in this case, to glaze over. I'm not going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but the state of Texas has 29 million people and an annual budget of $112 billion. Florida, population of 21.5 million. Their annual budget is $97 billion. California, population 39.5 million. More than double New York's, but its budget is $227 billion, only marginally higher than what the Democrats are proposing here in New York. Now, obviously, there's some differences uh, in the population. We have an older population here in New York State than they do in Texas. But, I mean, Florida's population is relatively, uh, I won't say elderly, but, I mean, a lot of people are going to Florida. But they have 21.5 million people in Florida, but the budget's less than half of what it is here in New York State. What does that tell you? We overspend. We tax and spend. That's why people are jumping ship. We're losing population. We're losing like a million people. We've lost a million over the last 10 years here in New York State. And this is, it's, it's easy to see why that is. Let's see, we hit Fauci and uh, Paul. We hit the, uh, the lockdowns here in New York. I guess that, that does it for today. We want to thank you very much for tuning us in. Again, if you want to get in contact with me directly, you can uh, email me at pacman at the BMG network.com, all lowercase. We can go back and forth that way. If you're looking for some good reading material, I would suggest the daily perusal. Go to the BMG network and you can follow the link. You can, I guess it says read, so just click on read and you can read the daily perusal or the PAC perspective. That's a column I put up there, a couple of columns a week. We cover politics and sports and the culture and some local stuff, some state news, federal news. And it's all through a Christian perspective. So that's up there for you as well. Check it all out. The BMGnetwork.com. We are patriots. We love our country. We love God first, our country, our families, and uh, we love what we do. There is one thing I wanted to talk about that I didn't hit. We may not have a lot of time, but I just I found it amusing. Amusing, sad, and, and, and frankly scary. Uh, Vladimir Putin has challenged President Biden to a debate it's like, are you kidding me? That's not going to happen. I cannot see the White House's handlers letting Biden sit down to a debate with, with uh, Vladimir Putin. He'll get eaten alive. I think everybody knows it. And I guess Biden had called, uh, referred to Putin as a killer, and it, Putin was ticked off by it. So Putin said, it takes one to know one. So, this, you know, obviously there's some uh, jockeying for position. I mean, we are the, the world's lone superpower, allegedly, although I think Russia is a superpower. Maybe not economically, but certainly militarily, they're a superpower. And they've got to be dealt with. They are a geopolitical enemy of the United States. They're our enemy, as is China. And there's some you know, information out there from reputable sources that say Russia and China are really combining to cause problems for us at our southern border. And they're causing problems for us around the world, not just at our southern border. So, you know, here's Biden. Can you imagine Biden sitting down and debating Putin? I mean, that'd be the language barrier. I don't think Putin speaks English. I know Biden doesn't speak English, but <laughs> I just, I can't picture it. It's, it's really a frightening prospect. We have a, a, a doddering old man at the helm. 
and uh, allegedly, who knows what's going on there. Maybe you're thinking about starting a podcast and you haven't really had time or maybe you're not sure how to begin. It's easy to do. All you do is you check out Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch a podcast. Not only that, but Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and a lot more. So why not join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world? All you have to do is follow the link in the show notes and get started today. Plus, if you sign up for a paid plan, they will give you, Buzzsprout will, a $20 Amazon gift card. Again, just follow the link in this show's notes so that Buzzsprout knows that I, the patriotic American citizen, Ted Flint, sent you Buzzsprout, the easiest way to launch a podcast. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Pac-Man Podcast. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.